is Your Working Life, a podcast that provides you with tools, inspiration, and resources so you can enjoy your career and love your life. I'm Caroline Dow Higgins. I'm a speaker and a career and executive coach, and today I am just delighted to welcome back a dear friend and colleague, Rita Sever, to the show. Rita is going to talk about the unique challenges that leaders of social justice and nonprofit organizations face. Rita, welcome back. Thank you so much, Caroline. I'm thrilled to be back, and it's good to hear you again. Well, I am delighted. We're going to dive into a juicy conversation about your brand new book, but I'd love for you to set the stage and help our global audience understand what brought you to this work? Absolutely. So I realized that my work really goes back to my childhood. I was the youngest of six children. And so as you can imagine, I often felt unheard, unseen, and a lot of, that's not fair. And so when I started working, that drove me to work in mission-driven organizations And I've spent my whole career trying to make the world a better place. Along the way, I built a career in human resources. I got my master's degree in organizational psychology. And because of the organizations I was working in, I learned a whole lot about who I am both as a person and the cultural baggage I bring as a white person and what the world is like for people who don't have the identity I do. I learned about how we have uneven playing fields and there's a whole lot to we still need to do. And so I now am a consultant and I work with social justice organizations and try to continue to work to level the playing field while learning and growing always. So let's talk about your view of human resources. How is that different from what many people experience at work? Well, I hope it isn't unique, but I am always distressed when I hear people say, I would never go to HR with a problem. HR is on the side of management. That's what they tell me. And that just breaks my heart because for me, HR is really an advocate and a liaison between staff and management. Yes, the role is important in protecting the organization to making sure there's no liability issues in terms of compliance, but it can and should be so much more. It really is about supporting staff, seeing staff, being a safe place for staff to work out troubles that they run into in their work. And the truth is, when HR does that, they have even more resources to protect the organization because they help people feel engaged, seen, and heard. There's the thread to my childhood again. And staff are happier, and therefore the organization is safer. Yeah, that space of psychology. Sorry, Karen. Can I add one more thing? Um, it's also, thank you. It's HR is also the best place to operationalize the values of the organization. It is the place where if you value equity, 
if you value justice, if you value women, you can help enact policies and practices to make those values real. Beautifully put. I'm so glad you added that. So let's talk about the challenges that leaders of social justice and nonprofit organizations face. What is unique about that space in the career world? So one of the things that is unique in that world is that those organizations tend to hire a very diverse staff, which is beautiful and wonderful and important. And yet the managers and the leadership often do not take that fact into consideration and they leave from mainstream values, which often include things like top-down leadership, my view of the world, what I need, what I'm looking for, and therefore the organization is not welcoming and supportive of of people of color in particular, but also, as many of your listeners will know, not always welcoming to women. Um, And that is a particular challenge in organizations working for social justice. Their staff want and need to be heard and seen. They want to be part of decision-making. And sometimes that takes some learning and growing on both sides to make that happen. Beautifully put. Uh, I think that learning and growing from both sides is such an important statement. You know, I, I often reflect it. Time feels like it, it happened so fast in the last year of, of COVID-19, this global pandemic. And in other ways, it feels like it just dripped away slowly and slowly. So let's talk about social justice and nonprofit leadership in the age of COVID, because I truly believe we're still navigating through this pandemic. There is great hope on the horizon with vaccinations, but there's a lot yet to be done. So what does it look like in a post-pandemic world for those organizations? Yes, that that is a big question right now. Um, I want to first of all say that I am so proud of the organizations I work with for how they responded to the pandemic. They kept their eye on the ball in terms of supporting their clients and their staff. Many organizations worked very hard to keep staff employed for as long as they could, and it made a big difference, obviously. As I look ahead, what I see is more dispersed work Now we know we can do it. We know we can work remotely. And so I think there'll be a hybrid model that will probably be very effective for many organizations. And there will be the ability to hire people who are not geographically close to each other, which will open up very powerful and interesting new ways of working together. Um, I also want to just mention that at the same time we're going through COVID, the world came to a different kind of reckoning in terms of equity issues. And I think that has greatly impacted the organizations I work with also. There is tremendous interest in how do we do this better? How do we be more inclusive? How do we be more welcoming? And they are having deeper 
and more truthful conversations about that. And the one other thing I'll say is I think in many ways there is a new thread of compassion, even with the groups I work with that have always been compassionate. The pandemic had made us, has made us be more empathetic in a different way. And I hope that will continue. I have experienced that as well. And I'm, I'm deeply grateful for that enhanced empathy and compassion. Beautifully said. Rita, we'll be right back after a quick break. Your working life is powered by your stories. We want to hear more from our listeners about your experiences in the workplace. Tell us what challenges you've overcome or tips you've learned along the way. And even better, if you don't have the answers, let us know what issues you want to know more about. We want this podcast to serve all of your working life needs. Send me an email at caroline at carolinedowdhiggins.com. So Rita, what I love about this book is it really outlines action steps to create uh, a culture in an organization. And you talk a lot about having a healthy workplace culture. So what does that look like? And, and how might those listening start to think about crafting that in their workplace? Um, a healthy culture is everything. That A culture really is about what staff and leadership experience every day. So it is a vital point of attention. So many organizations don't intentionally build a culture. They just let it happen. And sometimes it works great. And sometimes it sort of sinks to the lowest common denominator. One size fits all doesn't apply to cultures. It's going to be different based on the work and the people involved um, and probably the age of the organization to some extent. But a few common denominators of a healthy culture are a culture, first of all, where people are engaged in their work and feel committed to the mission, Um, a culture where they are not only heard, but their input is respected and responded to. A culture, a healthy culture helps staff feel safe, no matter who they are, what their identity is, their quirkiness, their special needs. They feel so safe, both literally and figuratively, safe to be who they are. Um, and organizations that have a healthy culture walk their talk. They live their values and they bring people on board who are aligned with those values. And all together that helps staff feel connected and engaged in their work in a way that permeates everything they do. I love that you mentioned uh, how being heard is part of healthy workplace culture. And, And I agree. As a coach, I often work with clients who are striving to be heard. They're yearning to be heard. So how how might we uh, give feedback in a way that's more likely to be heard, both positive and developmental feedback? Yes, feedback is so critical. And 
it really is up to leaders to open the door for staff to give feedback, both to the organization as a whole and to individual leaders. Without a set way to do that, an established way to do that, it probably won't happen, or it will only happen with very brave souls, (laughs) because that's sort of built into the organization that it's a one-way street, and it needs to be a two-way street. So in terms of giving feedback, it's really important to join with the person you're giving the feedback to. Now, that's a little strange thing to say, but what I mean is start by talking about what you have in common, that we're both committed to this team. I know you want to do a good job. I know you have the best interests of our staff in mind so that you are seen as with them instead of adversarial. From there, start with a specific observation or statement of what happened, as if you were showing them a videotape. Then talk about how it impacted you or the work, and then ask for what you want to be different. That's a formula that I use for both preparing to give feedback and delivering it. And it really can help make help the person feel the feedback you're giving them. Can't control whether they will do anything with it, but it is a way to set it up so that you have the best chance of being heard. Um, And of course, make it about the work or something related to the work. So if you're feeling dismissed, talk about how that pushes you out of the work, how it makes you feel disengaged and devalued. And I think that will really set you up to be heard. Rita, I want to talk about burnout. So many professionals that I've spoken with over the past year have expressed a a very real feeling of burnout, emotional, physical, psychological, and some equated it to the lack of boundaries, uh, working at home around the clock, feeling like they had to really prove their value because the company didn't necessarily embrace remote working, they had to do it out of necessity. So the question that I have for you is, how do we recognize and prevent burnout in our employees? Because it's it's happening. It's real. It is. It is a big issue, especially now in the pandemic and the hopefully post-pandemic world. I think as a leader... It's important to, again, hear your staff. They will tell you if and when they're approaching burnout. Probably not by using those words, but by saying something like, I'm feeling overwhelmed. Um, I just can't keep up with all this. That is a sign that they are not only carrying what they are feeling is too much work, but they're not feeling satisfied with the work. And so, again, it's important to listen to your staff, to hear what they're saying, and respond to it. You may not be able to adjust the amount of work. Hopefully you can if they're feeling that way. But if you can't, talk to them about what would help. Help them understand their priorities within that um 
broad range of work they have to do so that they can feel like they're at least addressing the most important things um, and offer resources when you can, of course. The other thing as a leader is respond to it if you need to in terms of bringing it up. I, I'm, feeling, I'm noticing that you're not as engaged as you were before. I notice that you're late to meetings. Can we talk about what's going on? Hopefully when people are burned out, they can find a way to take a break and then come back refreshed and recommitted to the work because we need good people engaged and we don't want to lose them because they're hitting a hard spot. And it's interesting because the talent war is back. There are opportunities out there. Organizations are craving top talent. So part of creating uh, a healthy workplace is mitigating retention loss. Yes. And that probably is the next wave we're going to see is a lot of people, as you said, looking for better horizons, especially if they don't feel appreciated and valued where they are. Rita, you wrote so beautifully in the book about qualities of an effective leader. Would you share those with us and and perhaps maybe even a story about a leader who was very um, keen on displaying these qualities? Sure. Um, One of the top skills and qualities of a leader from my perspective is self-awareness. A leader who knows how they show up, who knows the impact they have on other people, and knows their strengths and challenges and can be honest about that. Other strengths include being collaborative, so working in partnership with their staff and their colleagues, being trustworthy, of course. You want a leader who you can rely on, who will do what they say they will do and not do what they say they won't do. Honesty compassion. You want a leader who remembers they're working with people, not just cogs in a machine. And compassion is a way to show that. That doesn't mean they have to give the employee whatever they want or change the job, but they lead with compassion. And then the last one I think of is integrity. Just being, walking the talk of what they value Um, In terms of a leader that I've worked with personally, who I think displayed these qualities was when I was in my last day job, if you will, as an employee, I worked in an organization um, with an executive director. It was a nonprofit. And my boss was a woman who rose up through the ranks and She displayed these qualities, and one of the things I remember her doing was a lot of listening, as I've talked about throughout this podcast, and acknowledging when she made a mistake. So that was part of displaying the integrity, saying, okay, I don't think I did that as well as I could have. What what advice do you have for me next time? What could I do better? And I really admired her and learned so much from her. 
Rita, I have learned so much from you. I always do, but I I treasure your new book. And let me tell our, our global audience the title. It is Leading for Justice, Supervision, HR, and Culture by Rita Sever. Rita, I wish you continued success on this book journey, but I want to tell our audience where they can buy the book. Of course, it's available on Amazon and major book retailers, but I'm delighted that your book is also available at bookshop.com, which is an independent book alternative. And Rita, I hope you keep coming back every time you write a fabulous book. I so enjoy our conversations. Thank you so much, Caroline. I was honored to be here and I am so supportive of your work. Thank you. Thank you, my friend. And if you like our show, subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or SoundCloud. And even better, leave us a review because this helps new listeners find us online. And let us know what career-minded issues you would like for us to feature on a future show. You can find me on Twitter at C. Dowd Higgins. And a special thanks to my podcast colleagues, Laura Deck, Executive Director of Publicity and Communications, and Claire McInerney, Executive Producer. Thank you for making this show awesome for our global audience. I'm Caroline Dowd-Higgins. Thanks for listening.